electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Elon Musk's Tesla investing $1.5 billion in Bitcoin and planning to accept it as payment for cars. Longtime Bitcoin bull Mike Novogratz on the news. Every company should be looking at how to accept digital payments as part of their uh, business scheme. It's not that difficult. It's what customers want. It's where the world is moving. But not everyone is on board. Is Elon Musk hyping crypto coins to his 46 million followers, tweeting responsibly? There's an added irresponsibility to push up a stock if you're also benefiting from it. And how many more meme stocks can the market take? Redditors are making moves again. GameStop, AMC, and now Dogecoin, egged on by big money players. It's interesting. We've been watching it. But uh, again, there have been all kinds of moves that we've been watching recently that don't make much sense just on a fundamental basis. And the CEO of Clear hopes that the company's Super Bowl health screening program offers an easier way to gather safely. Enroll once and use it everywhere at the Super Bowl, getting into your office building, going back to a restaurant, Broadway shows. I think last night was incredibly hopeful and exciting. But first, COVID vaccines racing to combat new virus variants. And Tom Brady, we've been talking about him for years, wins a seventh Super Bowl. Brady, for me, doesn't divide opinion. You just you just want the greatest to get greater and greater. It's Monday, February 8th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. Happy Monday. Welcome back from the weekend. I'm Becky Quick, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin and Wilfred Frost. Joe is out today, but boy, a lot going on. Drug maker AstraZeneca is racing to adapt its COVID vaccine to combat new variants of the virus. South Africa suspended the use of that shot in uh, its vaccination program after a small-scale study found the vaccine offered minimal protection against mild to moderate disease caused by the South African variant. That study has not yet been peer-reviewed. South Africa will continue offering vaccines from J&J and Pfizer and is awaiting advice from scientists about how to proceed with the AstraZeneca shot. Hey, guys, the, the weird thing about this that I don't understand, I've heard this story repeated several times this morning already, but what I don't understand is, you know, it, it, it offered limited support against mild to moderate uh, versions of, of, this, of this disease when it comes about. But what about in terms of hospitalizations? What about in terms of deaths? Because it seems to me that every one of these vaccines, had, in, the, in what they know so far, has shown um, less effectiveness when it comes up against the South African strain. What's been important is most of them have shown a, a huge amount of success in preventing severe uh, disease, maybe 85% or better, and about 100% when it comes to the death. And that's really what should probably be the focus at this point. It's, it's not like you anticipate that you're never going to get sick again. We, we live with the flu vaccine, knowing that you, very likely, even if you get the flu vaccine, you might end up with the flu this year, mm-hmm. but you might have a, a weaker version of that. So that's what I don't understand in this case. Is this For them to actually stop using the vaccine at that point suggests that, that it's a worse picture, but I haven't heard that reported out. Yeah, we haven't seen it peer-reviewed yet. I mean, it, it is interesting 
the, the, the sort of state of play at the moment, which I think you'd have to describe overall as a win, despite, you know, individual vaccines not necessarily doing well against individual strains. Obviously, the AstraZeneca one does right. uh, deal quite well with the UK strain, which is where it's being used most of all at the moment. So that's encouraging. They also said they should be able to develop by fall, uh, late fall, uh, new booster shots for the different strains right. that it Boosters. doesn't deal with, like, like the South African one. So that's, I, I would say, relatively optimistic, as is the fact that the likes of the Novavax virus seem to deal quite well with the South African strain, again, not yet peer-reviewed. So right. uh, I agree, it's sort of scary on the surface when you initially see some of these things and no one wants to get the South African strain and every country wants to stop the South African strain spreading within its within its uh, borders, but, uh, but, but we're not in a terrible position as things stand, despite quite a stark action, I, I, I just don't said, understand why, I, I, right, the idea that they would stop using this vaccine, maybe it's less effective than the other ones, they've shown that, well, no, I, I, think I, it's, I do it's, think it's important to have context with this. I think there's an issue here, which is you don't want, if you have a, if you have a choice between the Pfizer vaccine, for example, and the AstraZeneca vaccine, for example, and you think that the Pfizer vaccine has even marginally more efficacy than the AstraZeneca vaccine in this regard, I think you try to push people towards one over the other. I think the secondary issue, though, is, and I know and I'm, as, I'm as hopeful as anybody uh, about what's happening here, but if we don't get ahead of it, especially in the United States and so many other places around the world, meaning when I say get ahead of it, if we don't stomp out even our, the quote-unquote version that's running around here, it will very soon turn into the South African vaccine, uh, the South African version, um, because that is coming to other parts of the world. And so part of it is uh, we do need to find a way to, to hit this thing mm -hmm. and hit it hard before and, and try to snuff out as much as we can. And frankly, at the rate we're going, we're not doing the greatest job of that. But mm -hmm. a longer debate. But that, and I that's know we're my question have it on this. Look, if you, if you can get a if you can get a if you can get a better, a higher uh, efficacy vaccine, fantastic. But that's the situation we're dealing with. There's not enough to go around. So would you say forget it? I'd rather not get one and wait months uh, if, if that's the case. We're taking the AstraZeneca in the United States. I mean, AstraZeneca is not available in the United States. No, 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 no. That's what I, but that's what I mean in South Africa to stop giving that. It's, it's not like they have enough vaccines to, to give everyone a vaccine at this point. No, but that's I guess my question. I don't know. Is it that much less effective in terms of, of hospitalizations and death? And I don't know the answer to that, but it, it would suggest that perhaps it is if they're willing to take that off the market. But obviously the, that variant that it might not be as effective against is much more prominent there. So, so that the, the the trade-off in, in weighing up these decisions. I mean, I totally get your point and your question, but the trade-off is different from then deciding not to use it, say, somewhere like UK, Europe or, or the US, if it's already been approved in those regions, unlike in the US, uh, because the variant is still very minor in those spaces. But to totally right. get your point. Tom Brady threw three touchdowns to win his seventh Super Bowl yesterday. It was just his first year, of course, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so it's a pretty incredible achievement. Build that up, get the program going, bring Gronkowski, watch all of this. Tom Brady, by the way, won his fifth Super Bowl MVP award with this performance last night, and uh, it, it was a done deal. You kind of knew that that was going to be the situation just watching through the game. Uh, he was everywhere, st shut everything down. Tampa's defense actually shut down Kansas City's high-powered offense. Kind of amazing that Mahomes never got the chance to score a touchdown through all of this. Held them just a three field goals. That's where they came up with the nine points. I know you guys were up watching this last night, too. I have to say, I don't know if 
I'm getting older or if the game was just that good. But the best part about it for me was actually the game this time, not the commercials, not the halftime show. The game was pretty incredible. And part of it has to be that narrative. You know, there's that huge narrative out there mm. right now that seems to be everywhere with the retail investors, with the Reddit guys, with everybody else about stick it to the man. There was a little bit of that in this, too, because Tom Brady, you know, they told him that he was too old. Thanks for your help with our franchise, but it's time for us to move on and look to the future. That's about him coming back and sticking it to them. Yeah? You yep. think he's done? Yep. No way. Yeah, well, he was clear afterwards that he was definitely doing another season. I have, to, I have to say, as someone that doesn't come to NFL with a clear allegiance, Brady, for me, doesn't divide opinion. You just, you just want the greatest to get greater and greater. So I was, I was pleased with the result. The, the other question I had, which you guys might know better than me, but obviously J Joe off today so he could, uh, he could watch it all. And I know he was betting on it. I don't know which side he wanted to win. So I don't know if he's licking his wounds or, or counting his, his dollars this morning off the back of this. I'm not sure where he was leaning um, with any of that, but wow, it was a great game to watch. Better than the commercials. The commercials were terrible. I know we're going to talk about the commercials, <laughs> but can we just say this was, the game was better on a relative basis to the commercials, in part because the commercials were terrible and the game was fun, but it wasn't, I mean, it, was a bl it turned out to be a blowout, but it was great to watch. It was great just to see Brady Brady win, as you said, just to stick it to the man. And to see Gronkowski back, and it was just, it was cool. It was. It was. Power to the people. Next on Squawk Pod, the CEO of Clear, taking screening technology from airport security to the Super Bowl. Trust is key in everything that we do. Everything is opt-in. Not only that, but you are in control of your data and we're not selling or sharing the data. So if you see what we did yesterday, right, you are just sharing a green. You're not sharing information. And I think that is the power of the platform, that you can do it in a trusted way and create a frictionless experience. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC on this post-Super Bowl edition of Squawk Box. I'm Andrew Ross Dorkin along with Becky Quick. Wilford Frost is with us this morning in for Joe. Uh, taking the day off after this post-Super Bowl, uh, post-Super Bowl day. Um, Tom He's Brady the stole the one. goat. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, very smart he is, Becky. You're absolutely right. A hundred healthcare workers in Tampa participating in the Clear Health Pass pilot program at the Super Bowl. Technology connects members' identity to COVID-related health information, including Recent test results and vaccination status. It's just one of many new technologies deployed at this year's Super Bowl. And joining us right now in an exclusive interview to discuss what this means for businesses in a post-vaccine world is Clear CEO uh, Karen Seidman Becker. Good morning to you. It's great to see you again. Um, I'm glad that you're out there doing this work because somebody needs to be doing it. Um, help us, though, understand what, what you did at the Super Bowl, but perhaps more importantly, because I think there's a lot of business leaders that are watching this program right now and employees, too, uh, who are thinking about what a world looks like where people really do get back to the office in a more meaningful way and how technology may or may not change that. So thanks, Andrew. Great to be here. 
COVID has created a ubiquitous problem across so many industries. And CLEAR is partnering with these industries to help create the future of the fan experience like we did last night at the Super Bowl, validating vaccinated healthcare workers, as you said, connecting their identity in an automated and frictionless way to their vaccine results. And the power of the platform for CLEAR is creating this frictionless experience, making it safer and easier, using this platform to enroll once and use it everywhere at the Super Bowl, getting into your office building, going back to a restaurant, Broadway shows. I think last night was incredibly hopeful and exciting. So Karen, just explain this to me. There's a view that in the future, we might get into a world of vaccine passports, vaccinated passports. And someone's got to validate the vaccine passport in each instance so that I can't just walk in and claim that I was vaccinated if, in fact, that's going to be the case. How do you deal with that? So automation and biometrics and mobile, we've been doing it in the airports for over a decade, connecting you, building this automated link to, you know, healthcare databases to reflect that in fact you were vaccinated. I also think we're gonna be living in a hybrid world for some period of time. So it can also reflect that you were tested. And I think the power here is the truth, is the validation, right? It's not you doing it, it's automated and the ability to enroll once and then use it everywhere. And so it's really powerful. It's frictionless for the customer. It's safer and easier for the partners. And I I do believe it's where the world is going and it's here and now and I think experiences are going to come back better than they left. I think that the thing, though, that I'm concerned about or questioning is, are you getting the data directly from healthcare providers? So if I go get a vaccine, are you getting the, am I effectively telling you that I was vaccinated or are you finding out from Mount Sinai that I was vaccinated? And I have not been vaccinated, by the way. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping in the next couple months I get to get vaccinated. I haven't been vaccinated yet either, but when it is my time, we will be there and we're really encouraging everyone to do that. And the answer is, Andrew, really important question. Trust is key in everything that we do. Everything is opt-in. Not only that, but we, you are in control of your data and we're not selling or sharing the data. So if you see what we did yesterday, right, you are just sharing a green. You are not sharing information. And I think that is the power of the platform that you can do it in a trusted way and create a frictionless experience. And I think building a brand that stands for trust for a really long time before this makes it a faster adoption rate and easier to move forward. Uh, one, one last question. I know Wolf, uh, Wolf has a question for you as well. You talked about a hybrid world. When, when, when people really get back to the office and, and you're starting to see it in, in, in trickles in different parts of the country and whatnot, are you imagining some office places that say everybody has to be vaccinated. For those that aren't, do you imagine there's going to be a massive testing regime? What does that look like to you? Um, There are CEOs who are saying that vaccines are mandated. There are companies who are saying, you know, we have testing at Clear right now. We offer testing. We are encouraging our employees to get vaccinated. We're helping educate them. We think it's really important. And again, I want to go first. I've seen you guys talk about saying you'll do it on TV. And so I do think that health and wellness is a long-term sustainable, you know, part of going back to work. And I do think that companies, office buildings, real estate 
are creating health and wellness at, you know, whether it be doctor labs or nurse, you know, to come and do the testing as well as vaccination to help make experiences safer and easier. I actually had, a, Karen, a totally different question, but I just want to come back to your, your answer for the prior, uh, the prior question from Andrew. So, so you mentioned that you only have to show green, as in I've been cleared to come in. But, but to Andrew's question, how do you verify what I have told you that I've got the vaccine? Is it, is it from a doctor or a healthcare professional as well, or is it just because I've said, I promise you I've had it? No, it is an automated link to the back end of, of healthcare providers, but it is you doing that link. So what Clear is saying is you are definitively you. You are building that link one time to your healthcare provider, mm -hmm. at which point we're saying we have Karen here. Has she been vaccinated? They're coming back green and we're showing green. And so it is not only a much better customer experience, but it is not uh, sharing data. And so I think there is an and, not an or, on the ability to create safer and easier experiences in a very trusted way. And, and I, I, you, you guys are clearly building a great service, one that uh, could have a really important use in, in the next six to 12 months in, in society, though it's, it's a sort of odd, uh, odd question to put to you. But do you hope that the service is, is not needed at all after that? I mean, uh, presumably in a year or two's time, we hope we're going back totally to normal where no one even needs to ask you if you've ever been vaccinated or if you've tested positive or negative. Uh, so, so is this a service that you're building that you think will be used for the next year or two, but, but not after that? So you're exactly right, which is Clear has created a platform over the past decade, creating frictionless experiences and journeys for customers in travel and sports and entertainment. This is a product health and wellness, although in fairness, we are telling our kids school that they've been vaccinated or if you've had a yellow fever vaccine and you're going to Kenya, you're showing them a yellow fever card. We're building a platform for all these use cases focused on the total frictionless experience, but we definitely hope COVID is not a business. Although I do think health insights and health and wellness trends will continue as part of an overall customer experience, but you're exactly right. We hope COVID's not a business. Karen, uh, we appreciate you joining us this morning, and we look forward to talking to you again very, very soon. Thank you, we should, guys. Uh, thank you. Coming up on Squawk Pod, Elon Musk's cryptic crypto tweets and Tesla's $1.5 billion Bitcoin bet. Crypto bull Mike Novogratz. It is big news. I mean, Elon Musk has done better than any CEO in the last few years of driving his stock price and driving shareholder value. But one reason is he's listening, he's listening to millennials and Gen Z. So this is the currency of their generation. We'll be right back. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. 
So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Squawk Pod today with Becky Quick, Andrew Ross Sorkin, and Wilford Frost. Here's Becky. We also want to take a look at some of those Reddit hype stocks that we've been following so closely the last several weeks because of all the retail investor interest there. Uh, GameStop, first of all, up by about 11.5%. It's back at about $71 this morning. And then AMC, uh, which also seen some pretty wild swings this morning, is indicated up a little bit, too. It's up by about 3%, back to just above $7. I also want to take a look at cryptocurrency Dogecoin. It hit an all-time high after tweets from Elon Musk, rapper Snoop Dogg, and kiss rocker Gene Simmons. Those tweets featured all kinds of memes of the Shiba Inu dog breed that represents the Doge token. Uh, But guys, it's not just this. Across the board, if you're watching Bitcoin, it's uh, indicated up this morning, too. It's uh, within spitting distance of getting back to $40,000. I know. Fascinating uh, big moves, but also uh, worth mentioning the likes of Mike Novogratz, who, uh, of course, we all know well. Uh, who's a big fan of Bitcoin, is critical of these tweets on Dogecoin and, and questions whether it will therefore, yeah. medium term, under, undermine just, you know, the broader crypto uh, trend, which, of course, he's a big believer in. So uh, we'll have to see what happens on that. I, I mean, look, it's a fair point. You, there's no way you can say that these tweets have anything to do with anything fundamental in a crypto coin. Um, it's, it's interesting. We've been watching it. But uh, again, there have been so, all kinds of moves that we've been watching recent, recently that don't, have much, don't make much sense just on a fundamental basis. Yeah. The question of- but it, ra- to me, it raises the one point actually that Ray Dalio keeps raising over and over again, which is there's an unlimited quantity of these coins. We often talk about them as limited in supply. And Bitcoin unto itself Mm -hmm. is limited in supply. But the more and more we start talking about other coins, it raises questions about, quote unquote, the supply, because there's obviously the opportunity to make an unlimited amount of different types of coins. But I I, I totally cheese coins. I totally agree. (laughs) And it's not uh, also similar sort of to silver in that it's not actively got lots of short positions on it. Uh, So, again, it sort of uh, raises the question as to whether this is even a good short term squeeze. Um, to, to, to get behind. But, but again, we've got to bring up the point of responsibility. We all shouted at when we raised it two or three weeks ago on the initial short squeeze of GameStop. GameStop is now down a lot. Uh, and Elon Musk is worth hundreds of billions of dollars. And we know that some people would have bought in at GameStop at the top and got hurt. And probably the same will now happen with this. And it's just, uh, frankly, mm. yeah, irresponsible, I, I think is, is fair to say. Now, we'll probably still get attacked uh, on Twitter for saying so. But uh, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that What's plays out. What's your Twitter out. handle again, Wolf? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and mine's really easy to guess. It's just my <laughs> name. I'm going to have to change that soon. Hey, Wolf. Wolf. Guys, they're I'm telling looking, you to look I, at my email. Yeah, look at this, guys. Yeah. Look at this, guys. Tesla, in a new filing, says that they've updated their investment policy to provide them with more flexibility to, are you ready for this, be able to buy Bitcoin. We have invested in aggregate $1.5 billion in Bitcoin, the company says, under this policy and may acquire and hold digital assets from time to time or longer term. Moreover, we expect to begin accepting Bitcoin as a form of payment for our products in the near future, the company says, subject to applicable laws and initially on a limited basis. We'll see what that means, which we may or may not 
liquidate upon receipt. That would be similar to what PayPal is doing in terms of well, how it transacts with merchants. This could be um, another, I mean, we're watching Bitcoin move up uh, on the back, I imagine, of this news. I don't know how quickly it's, it's getting would, into the public uh, realm would, right now. But I would just throw an extra point then to, to the discussion we were just having, which is, and we don't know this, but, but, uh, but it, there's an added irresponsibility to push up a stock if you're also benefiting from it. I, I don't know if Dogecoin was one that Tesla bought, but uh, there's definitely a correlation effect with the Bitcoins of, of this world. And uh, it, I'd have to go back through all of his tweets, but maybe Musk has also tweeted to push up the price of Bitcoin in, in the last couple of months. But well, he, he was. He, he was in the, just a few weeks ago. In fact, he had Bitcoin. He had added the right. symbol to his, his profile on Twitter and was doing a lot of things around Bitcoin that, that seemed to kind of push up Bitcoin at one point. That was just in the last couple of weeks. It was last week when he took the Bitcoin symbol out of his, um, out of his profile and then started pushing Dogecoin instead. I, I think the question uh, I would also ask here is how his investors feel about this. Bitcoin is, has been a big performer, but it's also been an incredibly volatile uh, holding. If you've been watching this, it's back at almost $40,000 now, but it can drop uh, thousands of dollars in a day. And Ron Barron has been a longtime investor in Tesla, and I'd, I'd wonder what he thinks about this, too. Quite. Is he okay with them having $1.5 billion? Why do it? Um, I mean, in, he could not possibly have had a better 12 months, Elon Musk. He could not possibly have dreamt but to I, be in I, the position I, he's I in today you. where his company does not have any chance of going bankrupt, uh, any chance of running out of cash. It's worth... Gosh, I forget the number, 800 billion, he's worth 200 billion. Why on earth do this? Why take the risk? Joining us right now is Mike Novogratz. He's the founder and CEO of Galaxy Digital. And Mike, um, cryptocurrency really taking off on this. Bitcoin up the last I checked over 11%. What do you think of this news? Listen, it's big news. I mean, Elon Musk has done better than any CEO in the last few years of driving his stock price and driving shareholder value. But one reason is he's listening. He's listening to millennials and Gen Z. Now, this is the currency of their generation in lots of ways. It's the store of wealth of their generation. So uh, I think it's a really big deal. Uh, you know, Michael Saylor did a, a conference last Thursday, and there was over 1,400 CFOs and CEOs on the conference, over 10,000 people, uh, where he went through and talked about how a corporate could buy Bitcoin. And when I was talking to the audience, you know, my message came right back to, listen to your audience. Look, look what happened with GameStop, right? This, this is a generation that's speaking loud and clear. And I think Elon did it brilliantly. Let's break this down into two pieces, because I think it's two separate pieces of news. One, that they'll be allowing customers soon to perhaps pay for a car in Bitcoin. They didn't say whether they'd hold on to that Bitcoin or instantaneously flip it, like PayPal has said they'd be doing. If you, they let you do a transaction, they'd probably flip it and immediately change it back to a more stable form, like a more stable currency. Um, the other is taking one and a half billion dollars of their cash on hand and plowing that into to Bitcoin. I mean, that's a significant amount for them. If you look at it, it's probably seven and a half percent of what they had um, as of the end of the year when they've got about 19.3 billion dollars in cash or cash equivalents on hand. Uh, break this down in, into two pieces. First of all, what do you think about the idea? Go ahead. Every company should be looking at how to accept digital you know, currencies as uh, digital payments as part of their uh, business scheme. Like, it, it's not that difficult. Uh, it's what customers want. It's where the world is moving. And so that, I think, he's getting ahead of the curve. And I think you're going to see every company look to figure out how they, from McDonald's to, 
you know, Bojangles, you name it. Um, I think the second is a different bet. And, you know, we have a debasement of fiat currency going on, right? We have a debasement of the dollar. And so I think that's a more speculative bet. But it's also a bet, even if it's a smaller portion of your treasury, that tells your customers, hey, we're listening. You know, we understand where the world is going. We're looking forward. You know, people want to invest in companies for the next 100 years, not the last 100 years. And that's becoming more and more clear. Mike, as you said, no one can argue with what Elon has achieved uh, for his company and its share price over the last year or so. What, though, do you make of his tweets supporting uh, Doge? You know, I, I wish he wouldn't. Listen, I think, you know, Dogecoin reminds me a lot of GameStop. It's a meme. Uh, it was funny for a little bit. But now it's at market valuation where people are going to lose lots of money in Doge. You know, Bitcoin has a real purpose. Ethereum has a real purpose. Lots of the stable coins have a real purpose. And Doge is kind of a kind of a meme, a joke. And so I sometimes wonder, Elon is so smart, at, you know, he, he can do whatever he wants to do because he's making everybody bunny. And, and like, I think Doge is uh, a little bit like the 420, you know, comment. What do you make of uh, Ray Dalio's comments last week where he clarified some of the headlines? There were a lot of headlines about what he had said. And I think people who who liked Bitcoin, thought he was he was talking it up. Others were saying he was talking it down. I thought the most interesting he, comment he made in, in his own um, post about all of this was that Bitcoin, even though there's a limited supply of quote unquote Bitcoins, there's not a limited supply of digital coins. And so if you think about it in a larger context, and to me, the Dogecoin situation in some ways sort of points points at this, um, that if there, if there really is an unlimited number of them, whether one is limited or not, may be irrelevant in the long term. Listen, listen there are 114 elements on the periodic table. Only gold held that place of store of value. Everything else on the periodic table had to be used for something, right? And so I think Bitcoin has the brand. It will be the store of value. Um, all these other cryptos that I invest in that I think are great, I'm investing because they're being used. And I think... Uh, that is an important piece, right? All the institutions we see that are participating in this space are buying into Bitcoin first as their store of value bet. As they start learning more and they say, okay, let's look at Ethereum because it might disrupt, it might be Web 3.0. Uh, but Ethereum will only have value in the long run if more and more people are building on top of it or being used. Where Bitcoin is doing what it's supposed to do as, you know, as we speak, right? It doesn't have to change a bit. Uh, and so I don't think you're going to have you know, thousands of coins. Litecoin is going to go to the way of the, the dodo bird. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be a tweet. Uh, Mike, I wanted to come back to a broader point uh, that we've all kind of been discussing over the last uh, month uh, as the GameStop and the Reddit phenomenon has sort of taken hold, which is, and I'm not going down the route of, of breaking actual laws and what the SEC should get involved with, but the sort of moral question uh, of, of talking your own book. Do you think do you think Elon Musk has done that now by, by later ex, um, revealing that he has a big position in Bitcoin when clearly he has been broadly in support of it? And people like him and you and Chamath, they know that they can influence investors, uh, even if it's just a tweet and you're expressing your opinion. You're always very upfront. We know that you are long Bitcoin when you talk about the, the benefits of crypto long term. Do you think there's a, a bit of a sort of uh, immoral action here and uh, someone that's so wealthy already and uh, already had a position that wasn't disclosed? No, listen, I think you've got a corporate responsibility to, you know, put your position on to, 
say, you don't want to talk, tell people I'm going to buy something and, and have the market run away on you. And so I think, you know, in terms of the Bitcoin, I think they, you know, from what I can tell, uh, behaved exactly as they should be. Um, listen, you know, the, the Dogecoin, the other stuff that that, you know, moves into the responsibility of the richest man in the world or uh, of any corporate CEO. And uh, it worries me about things like that, say the same thing with GameStop is you suck a lot of new people in at levels that I think will be unsustainable. Now, listen, I could be wrong. Dogecoin could go higher. I don't think it will. Mike, that's what I wanted to ask you about when you said you thought that Litecoin was going to go the way of the dodo bird, but you own a lot of these different currencies. How do you feel about Dogecoin? Uh, I don't like Dogecoin. Uh, I, again, I said, you know, these currencies without purpose, uh, you know, in the long run, I don't think have communities that will build around them. They have, they can get communities in the short run, right? In the same way GameStop got a great community for about four days, uh, but they're unsustainable. They're unsustainable because the new people get in as soon as they start losing money, you're like, what the heck did I just do? Uh, the people that got in early that were kind of the quote smart investors, uh, uh, they've made lots of money and greed kicks in. They can sell it and buy a car. They can sell, sell it and buy, you know, something more stable. Uh, and so any investment thesis needs a community of people to continue to buy into it and believe in it. Um, and so we look for, you know, projects with great founders, with great communities that are used for things that can look like they can disrupt the world at a later, a later time. Right. Hey, Mike, I just want to go back to the idea of asymmetric information and, and frankly, manipulation in, in the marketplace and specifically around crypto right now, because I don't think that there's a, a clear understanding of uh, what is going on with corporations and some of the announcements they're making related to this, the executives and what they're doing online and potentially what some of the executives, even board members at some of these companies may be doing personally, which is to say, you know, whether they're investing in crypto themselves. And, and we don't know. But it, in truth, if, uh, if Tesla was going to uh, do a deal with another car maker, uh, you couldn't go buy the stock in the other car maker if you knew about that in advance. However, one of the things that I think is unique about crypto, given that it is not regulated and it's considered a currency or a commodity or whatnot, is potentially, and I think we'll see how regulators think about this, that you very well may be able to buy cryptocurrencies in advance of an announcement. What do you think of that possibility? And what do you know about that more broadly? And I'm not, I'm not speaking specifically to Tesla per se, but I am very aware right now that there are corporations that are thinking about what to do uh, with crypto. And at the same time, there are executives and board members and others who may very well be owning it or buying it. Yeah, it's a great question. Listen, regulation is moving fast in this space, right? Markets always get ahead of where regulators are. I'm sure that Gary Gensler and the, the new head of the CFTC are, are scratching their heads thinking, how do we think about this? Right? Bitcoin is an asset, right? It's, it's, you can call it a cryptocurrency. I'd call it a crypto asset. Um, a little bit like you could buy the S&P or you could you know, buy crude oil or treasuries, right? Uh, it's a macro asset. And so I think in the future uh, and now you're going to be able to buy Bitcoin uh, with a different level of scrutiny than you will say in individual equity. Uh, it's not a regulated security. I don't think it will be a regulated security. And so, but as we move down to other, you know, parts of the crypto ecosystem, that's going to be a, a different question, right? You're going to see cryptos, some that are seen as securities. Um, and so it's a, it's, it's, it's a great question. Uh, it feels right. Like, oh my goodness. You know, if I told, if I went out and to be fair, Elon talked about Bitcoin on Twitter. Yep. He talked about it publicly. You know, if, if he had switched it to gold, which if you see the filing, they also talked about gold, 
right? Should their individual right. board members have been able to buy gold? Uh, fair question. I think traditionally the answer has been yes. Uh, this is interesting because it's such a big company. It's such a big influencer. Yeah, and, and because it moves Bitcoin so significantly, we're looking at that uh, price up by about 14.5%. Mike, it's great talking to you. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I should also point out very quickly, we've got some comments from Ron Barron. Reaction to Tesla's purchase of $1.5 billion in Bitcoin from Tesla investor Ron Barron. He said, you know, Elon Musk has been commenting favorably about Bitcoin for a while, so the announcement regarding Bitcoin, not surprising. I assume Tesla is not speculating on the value of Bitcoin, but rather considers its payment system as a, as a payment system. He says when serious investors like Paul Tudor Jones, Stan Druckenmiller, and others think Bitcoin is, effect, is attractive and PayPal also is building lots and assuming, assuming use for payments, he thinks he should have learned faster. His ultimate comment, though, is I'm sure a lot of thought went into Bitcoin, the Bitcoin purchased by Tesla, and I look forward to learning the rationale. Not saying whether he's in favor of it or not in favor of it, but saying there's a lot here, and he looks forward to learning more about the rationale behind it. Wilf? I'd, I'd take that as uh, largely in favor of it. Uh, a vote of, maybe not outright vote of confidence in the specifically not but... to say he's in favor or not in favor, that he wants to look into it a little more, but that he, he's not completely surprised given some of the Bitcoin um, fervor that's been out there and speculation around it and some of the talk that, yeah. that uh, Elon has done about Bitcoin too. Yeah. No, I'd just say, holding our hands up, that I would have expected potentially from a you know, traditional long-only investor like him that the initial response could have been more negative. So uh, anyway, interesting. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears. Subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. And we'll meet you back here tomorrow. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.